Destinations Beyond Expectations is powered by Group Experience. Visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. Hello, this is Stevie G, and you are listening to DBE, the podcast designed for students of travel. Make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any other platform. Go check out Destinations Beyond Expectations on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget about dbetravel.com, which is the official website for the show. At dbetravel.com, you'll find the episode library, some fun blogs, a link to support the show on Patreon, and so much more. The Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore in northern Michigan is known for its dramatic cliffs, scenic views, and amazing hikes. If this area is on your radar, make sure to bring a camera to capture its beauty. Want to learn even more about the Pictured Rocks? Well, Rebecca Sawicki from the Veggies Abroad Travel Blog is here to talk through what it's like to visit Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. You can follow along with our conversation today by scrolling down to the show notes and clicking the Best Pictured Rocks Hiking Trails to Explore blog post from veggiesabroad.com. I really enjoyed this discussion, so let's get to my interview with Rebecca, where we'll be talking about exploring the pictured rocks. Rebecca, welcome to Destinations Beyond Expectations. It's so great to have you on the show. How's it going? It's so nice to be here. I'm terrific. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So, Rebecca, you've written about the Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore on your Veggies Abroad blog. It's an area that I've never been to, but after reading about the Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore and looking at some of the stunning pictures on your blog, it looks like a really amazing place for someone who loves fresh air and great hikes to check out. Can you start things off by letting us know where the Pictured Rocks are located? And can you also talk a little bit about what the area is like? You are 100% correct. The Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore is one of the most gorgeous areas of uh, the state of Michigan or in the state of Michigan. It is located in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. So coming from the Detroit area where I'm based, it is a solid seven hours or so. It's a significant drive. You can fly up there. So if you say you're not based in Michigan, there is an airport in Marquette that is a small regional airport. So you could fly into Marquette and then from Marquette, it's just about an hour. So that makes it a little bit easier to get to, but it is a far more remote area of the state. I think two lane highways, dirt roads, wide open spaces. At one point I joked when we were last up there that it reminded me of a Stephen King novel because fog would roll across a completely deserted road. There'd be no humans to speak of. And it was in some areas, it's a little eerie, but it's also really gorgeous because it hasn't been touched by humans. We've left it alone. It is in its natural state of beauty, which is really stunning. That's magnificent to hear. And I mean, the pictures on your blog look so amazing. And I know that hiking obviously has got to be big in that area. Um, I know there's options when it comes to hikes that someone can do while visiting pictured rocks. Can you like shed, you know, some more light on the range of hikes? Are they mostly long, short, easy, difficult, or everything in between? Yeah, sure. So hiking is absolutely one of the best ways to experience the area. 
aside from getting in the water and getting in a kayak or a boat or something like that. So there are a good mix of hikes for all different levels of hikers. So if you are an experienced hiker and you are looking for a multi-day adventure, I would point you towards the North Country Trail, which spans the entire length of the lakeshore, which is 42 miles. So you could do that over a few days. It starts in Grand Marius just butcher that name <laughs> to be honest and ends in munising and um, you get to go through all the major points of pictured rocks and many points in between that many visitors won't see because they're in far more remote areas of the lakeshore and then if that's that's too much for you which i venture a guess that it's too much for most people <laughs> including myself <laughs> i'm i'm not you won't catch me out there for 42 miles <laughs> there are intermediate hikes as well that are about eight to ten miles one of my favorite ones and it's considered one of the most scenic is the chapel loop trail and it uh loops around a area of the lakeshore where some of the most stunning areas are. And some of it you can't see from a kayak because the kayak tours don't go quite that far up the lakeshore. So it's um, a really, really nice scenic area. There's a secluded beach on the hike, a couple of waterfalls, really nice lush forests that are you know, great to venture through. And then if that's still too much, then there are even shorter hikes that are under a mile that take you to some of the area's waterfalls, sand dunes, a variety of different things um, that you could quickly hit multiple within a day. If you know, you're know you not a super hiker, but you wanna get out and stretch the legs for a little bit. So say I'm taking one of those intermediate or longer pictured rocks hiking trails that you're talking about. What are some of the essentials you recommend that I might wanna take with me on my hike? Sure. So say you're doing like the chapel loop trail, which is 10 miles, you should plan for at least four hour, a four hour hike. And so with that, you know, you're going to want to bring your own water bottle, leave a uh, single use plastic or don't buy single use plastic. I was going to say leave it at home, but just don't buy it. Um, bring your reusable water bottle. I'd pack snacks, maybe even, you know, a couple of sandwiches, things like that. There is a really great backpack cooler that's uh, pretty convenient for something like this so you could put things that you need to stay cold directly like in the cooler on your back could be helpful a sunscreen some kind of like a citronella based repellent depending on the time of the year some of the mosquitoes or biting flies could be kind of bad i think those would be like my big things that you wouldn't want to leave home without and you know maybe a really large grim hat especially if you're going somewhere where you'd have a lot of sun exposure. On the Chapel Loop Trail, there aren't large areas where you're like completely dead set in the sun. So that does make it a little bit easier. So I'm sure each season is unique and brings its own uh, flair of beauty to the Pictured Rocks area. But what else can you tell me about the seasons in Pictured Rocks? Is there a time of year that you think might be the best for someone to visit and take a hike? Yeah, sure. So my recommendation is always the summertime. The summer in northern Michigan is absolutely gorgeous. Just everything fills out, the lake shimmers. It's just a really, really beautiful time. And everything is accessible, which is really nice. You know, good weather, sunshine. I think that's always like the best time to get out. But 
if you don't have the availability to get out there in the summer, the spring and fall can be pretty good times as well. I'd probably say the fall over the spring because you might have a little bit better weather. Uh, and then you'd also have the, the gorgeous colors um, or the changing of the colors and the leaves, which is a really nice backdrop with the lake. But one thing you have to really keep in mind is this area does get a lot of snow. And the snowy season can last into late April. I mean, it can even frost into May. And can start as early as, you know, the beginning of October. And I think at some points, maybe even, I maybe late September might be too much, but even in October, they could see snow. So uh, I would really keep that in mind, especially if you're not a snow fan. But if you are a snow fan, the area can be a really great outdoor paradise for people who want to snowshoe or ski. But one thing you really have to keep in mind during the winter time there is that they can get upwards on average of 200 inches of snow. So that can cause access points to be closed. Some roads do not get plowed that lead to different trails and things like that. So it can, you know, shorten what you might be able to see if you really wanted to go somewhere specific. So it's always important that you kind of plan ahead to see what could be open and what couldn't. A really unique thing during the winter are that the waterfalls throughout the area freeze. And so that creates a really unique climbing experience in ice caves. Not all waterfalls do they allow climbing or exploration with, but some of them they can. So it's kind of an unusual thing to be able to see. And there is also a company up north that does ice cave tours, which is really neat. And they do it along the main lake shore and then also on uh, one of the islands that's nearby the mainland, which is cool. Yeah, super, super cool. Um, Rebecca, for someone trying to plan their trip to Pictured Rocks, what can they expect in terms of lodging? Can you camp in the area? Are there a decent selection of hotels nearby? Tell us more about where to stay uh, near Pictured Rocks. Sure. So I'd say the best area to stay to base yourself to explore the lakeshore is in Munising. And there is a good mix of independently owned small hotels and cabins, motels. There are a couple chains, but there isn't a lot of that, especially in the UP. Uh, and there are campgrounds as well, too. I will say, though, that during the summer, it is a very popular area. So if you do know that you're going, say, Fourth of July weekend, you should be booking your accommodations as early as possible. Even campsites, because there are, I think, there are only maybe four or so main campsites throughout that area. And they're not super, super large. And so I know some of them do end up booking very early and they sell out. And some of the areas you do need a permit for camping as well. So you'd have to apply for that sooner rather than later. But there's a good mix of different kinds of accommodations. And one thing people should also remember when they look at the map, like if you're on booking.com or whatever, you can sometimes see there are places that are like on the periphery of the area. And so they might seem like really good areas, but they can sometimes be further away than what you would expect because, again, there are two-lane highways, dirt roads. I made this rookie mistake and found a cabin that was, it looked like about 20 minutes outside of Munising. 
is more than 20 minutes. And so it was like a solid 50 minutes round trip to get, you know, to and from. And that's kind of obnoxious <laughs> then when you also want to explore other parts of the area as well. So it's just something to remember when you're planning your trip. I'd like to ask you about a couple hikes that you wrote about on your The Best Pictured Rocks Hiking Trails to Explore article, which listeners can find in the show notes. As you point out in your article, Pictured Rocks has some longer trails. Obviously, we kind of talked about that a little bit and some shorter trails that are even under a mile. Um, Let's start with the longer trails, though. Can you pick, you know, either your favorite long trail or one that you think the listeners would enjoy hearing about and just go into the, you know, a little bit of detail of what that hike is like. Sure. So I'd say my favorite one is the Chapel Loop Trail, which I alluded to earlier. And I think that's really a great one, especially if, you know, say you don't have time to do multiple longer trails or you want to get a good sense of the area. I think the Chapel Loop Trails are really great uh, example of that. It starts at the Chapel Mosquito Trailhead, and then it weaves through a really nice forest, and then takes you to a waterfall. And then from there, you've got about three miles between the waterfall, and then you'll get to the Chapel Beach. And it is secluded. It is not one that you can get to um, from any other way. You have to go via the hiking trail to get there. You could get to it by boat, but I don't think you'd see too many boaters hanging out there. So you're not competing with masses of people and it's white sand and turquoise water. It honestly looks like something that gets plucked out of the Caribbean. And then from there, the trail then kind of meanders next to the cliffs. And so it's completely wide open in this area. There aren't barriers. So if you're hiking with children or you're really trying to get perfect photos, you do have to be very careful because you can go right up to the cliff's edge and you are hundreds of feet above the water and honestly falling off that cliff would not be good for anybody involved in your hiking party. But you can get really spectacular views of you know these kaleidoscope cliffs, the crashing of the waters, everything. It's just you know a very scenic area. And then it continues back through into the woods and then you pass one more waterfall before you finish out the rest of it. And when it gets to kind of the end of it, you go back into, you know, the woods. So you get away from the water a little bit and it gets a little bit quieter. It is a popular trail, but I wouldn't say that it is one that's like overrun with people that you would be like elbow to elbow because a lot of people, they don't want to commit to the full 10 miles. So you may see people in the very beginning, but when I did it last, I remember seeing people up until about the beach. And then after that, you started to see fewer and fewer and fewer people. And so that was really nice to kind of have it all to yourself. Another one that's a little bit longer is the Spray Falls Trail. Um, and it is also in a similar area as the Chapel Loop Trail. You could actually connect the two and make your hike, you know, longer than 10 miles. So the Spray Falls Trail connects to the Chapel Loop Trail. So you could kind of do the offshoot and then come back and finish out the other way. Or you can do the Spray Falls Trail on your own. And so this leads to a really beautiful 70-foot waterfall that plunges right into Lake Superior. And so the only two ways that you can see this waterfall are either from this hiking trail or from the water. 
You can get right on top of the waterfall from the hiking trail, but if you have good zoom, you can get a pretty good photo of it. The best way to kind of get right on top of it is from a boat, but um, it is also a nice trail that is a little bit longer. It's about eight miles. So let's also talk about some of the shorter trails, like um, ones that are under a mile that you think people yeah. should try to do when they visit pictured rocks. Um, tell us, can you pick one and then tell us some of the details about that? Sure. So one of them I would say um, that is fairly popular and not far from Munising is, actually, I'll give you two, is Munising Falls. And so it leads to a waterfall and it is, it is under a mile as well. It is only actually 800 feet one way. So it is very short. But it leads, the trail cuts in through kind of a cliff that's in the woods and then leads around to uh, the Munising Falls waterfall, which is a really pretty place to go. Dogs are actually allowed on this trail as well, which is kind of unique because dogs are not allowed on a lot of the trails throughout the area. Like the North Country Trail that we initially talked about, dogs are not allowed on that or the Chapel Loop Trail. And if you do try and sneak your dog with you, it is a hefty fine. There's a lot of wildlife in the area that they try and protect. And dogs can obviously get into a lot of trouble. So they just flat out no dogs allowed. So if you are traveling with a dog, you could bring them to Munising Falls. And it's um it's fairly flat. So, you know, if you have uh, mobility issues, this could be a good one to go and see. There are some stairs towards the end where the falls are, but you can see the waterfall without climbing the stairs as well. And then another one that you can make short or um, a little bit longer is uh, Miner's Castle. So Miner's Castle is one of the most scenic spots and it's pictured in a lot of pictured rocks, actually, you know, tourism publications and promotional materials. And it's a really gold, nice golden cliff with uh, pine trees kind of all over that juts out into Lake Superior. So it is, um, you can park in the parking lot there and it is a short walk, like right out to the viewing point and then around that area. But uh, Miner's Castle is also close to Miner's Beach. So if you wanted to make it a little bit longer and not do just kind of that easy kind of walk around with the, the viewing platforms, you could connect the two and it's about two miles round trip. So a mile to the beach and then a mile back. And the beach is also really nice. It's um, it was rated by oh no, now it's gonna escape me where, but one of our major publications rated it as one of America's best beaches. Wow! It is just a, a long, a, a wide open, you know, white sand beach that again, it's it gets a little bit busy during the day, but never never crazy. It's never like somewhere that you'd go and be like, oh my god, I gotta <laughs> get away from all these people. And then at night. Uh, it completely clears out and it's a really wonderful spot to see sunsets because everything is just wide open. There isn't really any obstruction and the viewpoint and the sun generally sets right in that area. And it's a really nice pink orange sunset. So it's a, it's a really gorgeous place to hang out. And uh, kayakers actually take off here fairly uh, often. It's one of the popular places if you're going to kayak around Pictures Rocks or if you're uh, going to kayak out to, you know, the neighboring island. 
Rebecca, it's been so great talking about Pictured Rocks and how visitors can experience it and all the different hiking options. But I want to pivot for a second to talk about your Veggies Abroad blog. It's got travel guides, helpful travel tips. And I think your blog does, as a whole does a wonderful job of tying in your love, uh, love for veganism. Talk to the listeners about Veggies Abroad, how it started, and some of the things you write about. Sure. So uh, Veggies Abroad is a vegan travel blog and also travel advisory company. Uh, I started the blog initially during the pandemic, which is a really funny time to start a travel blog. <laughs> uh, but in full transparency, I started the blog because I, like many people, was reconsidering their career. I wanted to find a way to pivot. I wanted to connect my career with my ethics. And I wasn't finding a job that aligned with that. So I thought, okay, like I got to get creative. What else could I do? And I knew that I needed to learn some new skills. So I, prior to the pandemic, my husband and I did travel quite a bit and people were always really enamored with what in the world did we eat? Did we have to go on a diet? Did we bring all of our food? Did people know what a vegan was? Um, so I thought, all right, maybe this could be a way that, you know, I could learn all these new skills, connect with like-minded people and network and help some people along the way. And then the blog started to grow and I started to realize, well, maybe my form of activism can be within the travel space and maybe I can help people to find some of these options and promote businesses that I care about. And then, you know, also get people to travel a little bit differently. And so the blog then grew into offering travel advisory services. So I focus on creating sustainable and vegan-friendly itineraries for travelers around the world. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Because, I mean, you're obviously you're a wonderful blogger, but um, you also do help people travel. Um, how can someone get in touch with you if they'd like to work with you? Sure. So you can shoot me an email, or if you go to my website, on the, um, there is an outreach box where you can put in your information and what kind of you're looking to do. So there's a couple ways that you could reach out to me through there. And just let me know what you're interested in doing and what you have in mind. And then from there, we can kind of have a discussion about what could be possible based on your budget, based on your interests. For me, I really want to use travel as a tool for good and get travelers to realize that their dollars are votes, essentially, and they can help make you know, really great impact in the communities that they're traveling to. They can help promote and um, uplift businesses that are doing really great work. And there are better ways that we all need to reconsider traveling as we become more mobile and put the pandemic behind us. And how can we stay connected with Veggies Abroad on social media? Sure. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook, probably a bit more active on Instagram than Facebook. And that is uh, Veggies Abroad, so just exactly as it is written. And you can also join my newsletter, which is available via my website. And so I weekly, or not weekly, I monthly send things out to subscribers. And sometimes I send some things just to them. Uh, so Rebecca, I do have one final question for you today. It's a question I ask any first-time guest on the DBE podcast. You know, this podcast is... We call it this, the podcast designed for students of travel. So I want to ask you, are you someone that would consider yourself to be a student of travel? And if so, can you share a lesson that you've learned about travel or through travel along uh, your travel journeys? 
That is a really good question. Yes, I would consider myself a student of travel. I think travel can be one of the greatest educational opportunities for all of us. Um, it is the best way for you to learn about a new culture, for you to have empathy towards someone else and their struggles. It's a great way to understand what maybe a community is really going through. You can have a like actual conversation face-to-face -face with someone that lives in a place instead of hearing, hearing about it in the news or reading about it in a book, which I think can make all the difference with connecting people around the world, with breaking down barriers, for us to really understand and see that we're honestly all much more similar than we are different. But I think as the travel industry grows, it makes it more important for us to remember that we are guests in someone else's home, so to speak. So we need to always remember to be respectful. Travel has the ability to be really impactful and to uplift communities and do really great things. But it can also be really destructive and exploitative uh, to the communities that people think that they're supporting. It's a really great answer. Thank you so much for that, Rebecca. And thank you for joining me on the podcast today. It's been it's been so great having you talk about Pictured Rocks. It's sounds like such an amazing area. So I can't wait to get up there myself and explore. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was honestly a delight to be able to talk about one of the best places in my state. A big DBE thank you to Rebecca for joining me on this episode. I definitely encourage everyone to scroll down to the show notes to learn more about the Veggies Abroad blog and where to give Veggies Abroad a follow on social media. I'd love if you could visit groupexperience.com to learn how to build your travel tribe. And if you guys have a quick second, it would mean a lot to me if you could follow Destinations Beyond Expectations on social media. DBE is on Facebook and Instagram. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button on Spotify or wherever you are listening. Oh, and if you can, rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts is so incredibly helpful to growing this show. If you want to hear me talk about more destinations, follow Group Travel Odyssey on Facebook or subscribe to Group Travel Odyssey on YouTube. On Thursdays, I'm joined by colleagues in the travel industry on a show called Destination Dispatch where we learn all about destinations and the opportunities they hold for groups. The show is a live stream and we go live Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to follow Group Travel Odyssey to tune in. Well, that is all I've got for this week. Thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks for telling a friend about DBE. Have a great rest of your day and I will talk to you soon.